There we go. Morning, everyone. You can make your way back to your seat. We'll get started. If you're new here this morning, my name is Brent Smith. I'm one of the uh, leaders here at Christ Central, and we're certainly glad that you've joined us. And if we go back to one language in heaven, my vote is for Swahili. <laughs> Just going to say, English is quite boring. <laughs> oh my goodness, I broke the whole thing. Thank you, Joel. There we go. Good? Oh, just this. There we go. All right, so we've been working our way through a, through a series uh, where we answer the question from a famous Christmas carol, and it's not, do you hear what I hear? It's, what child is this? And we've been going through the Gospel of John and the I Am statements of Jesus, and this morning... We're back in the same chapter we were in last week, which is John 10. Last week we looked at Jesus saying, I am the door. We've looked at Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. This morning we're back in John 10, and we'll look at Jesus' statement, I am the good shepherd. But before we read John 10, I'll set the stage a bit so that we see the full impact of Jesus' statement. So we'll just uh, we'll build to that, and then we'll read John 10, okay? So let's pray, and then we'll dive right in. So Father, we just thank You for Your presence here with us by Your Spirit this morning. We thank You that we are able to raise Your great name and praise Your great name and exalt You and adore You and give You the praise and the honor and the glory that You deserve. We recognize that that is a great privilege, and so we thank You that we are able to do that. We just pray now as we come to your word that you would work. You would work through your word. We pray, Father, that you would soften our hearts, that you would change us by your spirit through your word. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, we won't spend long here, but just to help us see the whole idea of shepherding as a major theme in the Bible, because we can hear Jesus say, I am the good shepherd. And, it, and we can just move on, but when we consider all that's behind that statement, uh, it really pops off the page for us. So first, just go to the next slide there, guys. First, shepherding was a common occupation of God's people. So the second child born on earth was Abel, and he was a shepherd. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and his sons, they're all shepherds. We get to Exodus, we find a shepherd in Midian named Moses, and God meets him at the burning bush. David was a shepherd when God called him to be a king. Amos, the prophet, was a shepherd when God called him to speak uh, his word to the nation of Israel. Shepherds are firmly planted on the bottom rung of the social ladder, and yet God continually goes to them and calls them to be leaders, to be kings, to be prophets. And so, it's amazing when we think of that. And then when we get to Luke 2, who does God send His glorious choir of angels to to announce the birth of the Messiah? He sends it to shepherds, right? So all through, from Genesis right through, shepherds are a main theme. And that's an emphasis at a fairly basic level. On top of that, the leaders in the Old Testament are often likened to shepherds. So in Numbers 27, 
Moses' life is about to end. He cries out to God. He says, you need to raise someone else up. If you don't, the people will be like sheep without a shepherd. And in 1 Kings, we see the same thing in 1 Kings 22, the same phrase being used. Without a leader, the nation of Israel is like a sheep without a shepherd. Jeremiah and Ezekiel also refer to the leaders as shepherds. Thirdly, and really the foundation for all of that, is that in the, in the Old Testament, God Himself is likened to a shepherd. And so in Genesis 48, Jacob addresses God as his shepherd. David adds to it with the well-known Psalm 23, Asaph with Psalm 80, Psalm 100, and so on, over and over and over. Isaiah and Jeremiah, the prophets come in, carry on the same imagery. In Ezekiel, we get this. God says in Ezekiel 34, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. So throughout the Old Testament, God makes it a point to establish Himself as the shepherd of Israel. He likes for the people to think of Him as a shepherd and them as the sheep. So God is the shepherd, but also in the Old Testament, there's an expectation of a coming shepherd. There's an expectation, a looking ahead to a coming shepherd. There's a prophetic message. We see it at the end of Ezekiel 34. After God describes himself as a shepherd, he also says, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. And then when we get to Micah 5, a well-known verse read at Christmas time says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. Here it is. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. From now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. And so we have this looking ahead to a coming shepherd. So we have those kind of four things behind this, okay? So we have often God calls the, the shepherds to, to do His work. So He calls Moses, He calls David, He calls Amos. We have the leaders in Israel being referred to as shepherds. We have God Himself being likened to a shepherd. And we have an expectation of a coming shepherd. Now look at John 10. John 10. So with all of that, with all of that behind it, Jesus stands before the religious leaders who knew the Old Testament like we know our phone number. And with all of that behind Him, He stands at, before them, He looks them in the eye, and He says, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees 
and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. We're in verse 14 of John 10. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus is like, how, how much plainer do you want? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And the Jews picked up stones to again stone him. I am the good shepherd. And so with that one phrase, Jesus is saying, I'm greater than Abraham. I'm greater than Moses. I'm greater than David. I'm greater than the prophets. I'm a better leader of the people. I'm on the same plane as God the Father, you've been waiting for the prophecies of Ezekiel and of Micah to be fulfilled. They are fulfilled. I am here. I am the Good Shepherd. So all of that is snowballing in behind Jesus' statement. So there's a lot in there. So let's unpack it so we can digest it a little better. John 10. So to better understand Jesus as our Shepherd, we need to understand ourselves as sheep. So, this might come as a bit of a surprise, but I know nothing about shepherding. <laughs> the closest I came was wearing a wool sweater for three times when I was in college until I shrunk it and my friend gave it to his sister who was in middle school. <laughs> That's probably the closest that I've come to being a shepherd. So I needed to find some reliable, credible info on sheep and I thought, where else to go but to a website run by 4-H? And all the laborers said, Amen. <laughs> right? We went to 4-H, and we got some good information there from sheep. But it says, you, you, as, as I read, read these lines on the website, you started to get a pretty good idea, the good and the, the negative and the positive, of why we are called Sheep. So this is what it says. These are direct quotes. It says, Sheep have a strong instinct to follow. Sheep have excellent memories for faces. They remember their handler. Due to their strong flocking instinct and failure to act independently of one another, sheep have been universally branded stupid. But sheep are not stupid. 
Sheep are a very social animal. Animal behaviorists note that sheep require the presence of at least four or five sheep, which when grazing together maintain a visual link to each other. A sheep that is by itself is vulnerable to attack. Sheep are vulnerable to predators because they are basically defenseless, defenseless and have no means of protecting themselves. So you get this picture of an animal that actually knows and follows its shepherd that is totally dependent and weak and defenseless of an animal that loves to be with its kind. And an animal that because of those things is often referred to as stupid. So I think that's a fairly appropriate analogy for God's people, right? If you posted something about being a Christian on Facebook, you could very likely get a response that would look very similar to that. You're weak, you know, you're dependent, and you're stupid. Right? So a sheep is a very good analogy for what it means to be a follower of God. And we could dig into that more, but we've got bigger things to chew on, and we'll learn more about being sheep by fixing our eyes on the shepherd. Okay, so let's look at why a shepherd. Why would Jesus refer to himself as our good shepherd? So five reasons that Jesus likes, likens himself to a shepherd. And we don't have to dig very deep to turn over these answers. They're right there. He says in John, uh, what is it, John, thir- John 11, that he's the good shepherd, and then in the verses after, he unpacks what that means, okay? So we're just going to go through verse by verse, and we're going to see why Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, because we get, you know, like this morning, it just kind of hit me. He's this great and glorious king, right, and worthy of all praise, and Angela's talking about coming in to the throne room, and yet he likens himself to the bottom rung of the social ladder, in Israel, right? That seems, you know, uh, can't think of the right word, but askewed. There we go. Right? He's the high and glorious king, and he says, I'm the good shepherd. Okay? So why would he say that? So first, we see in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep. So there's a purpose behind it, and the purpose is not just to serve as an example. It's not just to serve as an example. The shepherd doesn't throw himself off a cliff and yell back to the sheep, see how much I love you, and it's just meaningless and has no purpose, right? The, the picture that Jesus is painting, the assumption here is that the sheep are in danger, right? The sheep are in danger, and the good shepherd comes and lays down his life for the sheep, for their rescue. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. The shepherd rises to their defense. He puts himself in harm's way to save them. The shepherd steps in, gives his life, and by his death, the sheep are saved, right? And so we have images. We know this very well. We have images of like, you know, the 
Secret Service taking the bullet for the president. We hear stories of soldiers jumping on grenades. We're in Atlantic Canada, so most of us know the story of Vince Coleman, right? And, and giving his life to save that uh, passenger train in Halifax. <clears throat> we understand what that is to take something for someone else so that they can live, but it ends up taking our life. And so we might say, like, the good shepherd took the wolf for the sheep, right? He rescues the sheep at the cost of his own life. There is a purpose behind it. It's not just to serve as a good example for the sheep to follow. He rescues, even to the extent of losing his life. Jesus rescues his sheep. And Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.15, he says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That means that when the shepherds heard the angels announce the birth of Jesus and they ran to the stable and they gathered around Mary, this ragtag bunch of shepherds were staring into the infant face of the good shepherd who would one day lay down his life for them. He's the good shepherd. Through his death and his resurrection, Jesus rescues us from sin, from the devil, from death, from judgment, from wrath. He rescues us from a meaningless life now and a Christless eternity. He is the good shepherd who rescues. Listen to this. And if you know it well, listen to it like you're listening to it for the first time. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53. Jesus, by taking our sin, by taking our judgment, by taking our death, going to the cross, He rescues. The Good Shepherd laid down His life on a Roman cross so that the sheep might live. In the Old Testament, the sheep die for the sake of the shepherds. When we get to the New Testament, the Good Shepherd dies for the sake of the sheep. And if He can rescue out of sin and of death and out of judgment, He can rescue you, period. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, he says, I endured persecutions, I endured sufferings in this city and in that city and in that city, but the Lord rescued me out of them all. The Lord rescued me from them all. The Good Shepherd rescues the sheep and He's willing to get muddy and bloody, he's willing to lay down his life for the sake of the sheep. So we need to get away from the idea of the, the visual of a shepherd, like a precious moments shepherd with uh, big eyes and a towel on his head, and he's all cute and fuzzy, and he's got a cute fuzzy lamb, and everything's cute and fuzzy. The shepherd 
was one of the hardest, most dangerous jobs around in, in, in ancient Israel. Okay, The shepherds were the blue-collar guys, and it was dangerous. There were bears and there were lions. You just need to read David talking about going and grabbing a lion by its mane and clubbing him to death and taking the lamb out of his mouth to know it is not the precious moment shepherd. Okay? <laughs> If it was around, if we had a similar occupation, we'd probably have a show on the Discovery Channel called like Wool Warriors or something, right? It's a dangerous, dangerous gig. Jesus is the shepherd who gives his life to defend his sheep. When sheep are in danger, he rescues. When sheep are lost, he seeks them out and he saves them. So many of us have heard the gospel over and over and over and we know John 3.16 and we've gone through Alpha and we've sung the gospel in songs thousands and thousands and thousands of times, but does it still stir you? Does the gospel still stir you that the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep? He laid down his life for you. Does it still floor you to hear God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay, for unto, let me, what is it, for, un, for a Savior to us is born on Christmas Day, to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. If that's not tidings of comfort and joy, then what is? He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Do we just sing that? Or is that a reality in our life? Do we know what it is to be rescued by the Good Shepherd? The Good Shepherd not only rescues the sheep, He owns the sheep. Verse 12. Jesus says, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and He leaves the sheep. So Jesus sets Himself up against this hired hand. The hired hand leaves because he does not own the sheep. They are not his. He doesn't care. They're not his. He's not going to stay around when trouble comes. That's not so with the good shepherd. He owns the sheep. He didn't buy his flock with silver and gold. They are bought with his blood. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. And in Revelation 5, the song sung in heaven is, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. So in the same way that a shepherd owns his flock, Jesus owns the sheep. They are his. The identity of the sheep is wrapped up in the shepherd. They are known as the sheep of that particular shepherd. So in our culture, being owned by someone does not sound very positive, right? We're raised to smell out authority from a mile away, and we don't like that. But just strip away that be your own man, be your own boss, the constant chorus of me, 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 strip that away and just think of how sweet it is to be owned by Jesus. To be a sheep owned by the good shepherd, you are his, and he says no one will snatch you away from Him. Your identity isn't in how thick your wool is or how good you can bath 
right? Your identity is in the shepherd who owns you. Psalm 100 says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. What other pasture can compare to being in the pasture of Jesus, to being owned by the Good Shepherd? What other shepherd would you want to be owned by except the Good Shepherd? His steadfast love endures forever. You are His people and the sheep of His pasture. He rescues, He owns the sheep. In verse 13, He says, The hired hand leaves because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And so again, he's set himself up against the hired hand and he shows us the difference. The hired hand leaves because he doesn't own the sheep and he doesn't care about the sheep. But not so with the good shepherd. The good shepherd cares for the sheep. He has compassion on them. The thief and the robber break in. They want to steal the sheep. They want to exploit the sheep. They want to use it for their personal gain. But the good shepherd cares for the sheep. The hired hand runs away in fear at the first sign of trouble. The good shepherd cares for the sheep. He doesn't jet when things get tough. He provides for the sheep. He protects the sheep. When they are injured, he heals them. When they're tired, he gives them rest. When they're troubled, He comforts them. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for He is with me. His rod and His staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The good shepherd cares for the sheep. We're not dealing with a hired hand here in Psalm 23. We're not dealing with a hired hand. We're dealing with the good shepherd who cares for the sheep. He brings us to green pastures when we're hungry. He lays us down beside still waters when we're tired, when we're afraid in the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't leave us. We've got wounds. He anoints them with oil. He's a good, good, good shepherd. When we're in pain and we're hurting, He doesn't push us down. He doesn't beat us. He heals us. The good shepherd has a heart for the sheep and he seeks the very best for them. Jesus poured out himself on the cross to bring us in as sheep and he daily, continually, steadfastly pours out himself for the sake of the sheep. To be a Christian is to be a sheep cared for by the good shepherd. So why would you not want to be a sheep? Why would you not want to come in under the care 
in the flock of the good shepherd. Not only does the shepherd care for the sheep, but he knows them. The good shepherd knows the sheep. Verse 14, he says, I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. He is a personal shepherd. There's an intimacy here between sheep and shepherd. He knows who his sheep are. He knows them by name. They aren't just lost in the flock. He knows them individually, and he knows them intimately at the same level. Did you hear what he said? At the same level that he knows the Father, and the Father knows him, he knows you. How amazing is that? What a privilege it is to be known by the Good Shepherd. In our life, it's so easy to feel like just another student, just another worker, just another staff member, just another, just another, just another. And when we come to Jesus, we expect that, yeah, there's a flock of sheep, but I'm just a white woolly face in the sea of white woolly faces. And Jesus says, I know you. I know you. Like the Father knows me, I know you personally, deeply, lovingly, I know you. What a privilege it is to be known by the Good Shepherd. He rescues us. He owns us. He cares for us. He knows us. And the Good Shepherd leads us. Look at verse 27. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus is the good shepherd because he leads he, the, the sheep. He calls and they follow. So a shepherd in the Middle East didn't drive his sheep from behind with a whip and a dog. He led the sheep from the front. And oftentimes there'd just be like a, like a community pen and you'd put all your sheep in. So I'd put my sheep in and Gary would put his sheep in and Tim would put his sheep in and they'd all be kind of in like a, like a sheep hotel for the night, right? <laughs> but the shepherd had a call and he would come to the gate of the pen and he would say his call and his sheep intermingled in all the other sheep would follow him and be led out. That's what you see in that picture up there. They're all following him out. So just picture a whole bunch of other sheep over on this side, and he goes and he does like a, like a whistle like Jody Ward does with her kids, and they know <laughs> that's the Jody Ward whistle, and they come, right? It said there when we read about sheep that they recognize faces, they have a good memory, and they are followers. And so when the shepherd comes, he does the call, the sheep come. He calls us and He leads us from the front. Calling us out to follow in His steps from the very beginning, day in and day out. He will never leave His sheep, but will continuously, consistently lead them until Revelation says that Jesus the Shepherd will guide us to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. From start to finish, He's the good shepherd who leads. So I don't know about you, when I hear all that, don't you just want to follow him? <laughs> don't you want to just step in behind and follow 
the good shepherd and see where he takes you. When we're led by the good shepherd, shepherd, we know it will be a good path, right? The good shepherd doesn't lead the sheep down bad paths. When you're led by the good shepherd, you're led down a good path because he's the good shepherd. And so because of that, the future is friendly, right? If you're, if you're being led by the good shepherd, the future is friendly for you. The destination is desirable of where he is taking you. You step in behind and follow the good shepherd. This good shepherd rescues the sheep. The good shepherd owns the sheep. The good shepherd cares for the sheep. The good shepherd knows the sheep. The good shepherd leads his sheep. And so when we see all this, when we see all that is behind Jesus' statement, we see the significance of Jesus calling us sheep, we see the reasons that Jesus truly is the good shepherd, when we see all of that together, the application is fairly simple. The response is not complicated. It's be a sheep. It's be a sheep. Be a sheep. You are not the good shepherd. You are not the good shepherd. And yeah, some of us have roles and responsibilities where we're, you know, we're shepherding and whatnot, but we can't lose our sheepness. Be a sheep. Be a sheep. So maybe this morning you're feeling beat up, you're feeling beat down, you're feeling in harm's way, oppressed. The good shepherd rescues. The good shepherd rescues. Paul said, I was, I was uh, persecuted and I was in this trial and I was in that, but the Lord rescued me from them all. That's not just true for Paul. That's true for all the sheep in the flock. Maybe you need to be rescued from the eternity that awaits you. Maybe you need to be rescued from sin and death and judgment and wrath. Maybe you need to be welcomed in to the flock this morning. That invitation is open to you. There's an ultimate rescuing that needs to happen, but there's a daily leaning into the Good Shepherd and calling out to Him to rescue you from persecution, from trials, whatever it might be. Maybe you don't know where you fit in and what your identity is, and you need to feel the freedom and the security and the big exhale that comes from being owned by the Good Shepherd. Of your identity not being wrapped up in who you are, but in who you are in. And being in the Good Shepherd's flock. The Good Shepherd owns His sheep. Maybe you're sick, you're hurting, you're in pain, discomfort, physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever it might be, you need to hear the Good Shepherd calling you to come lay down beside still waters, to come feed in the green pastures, to have Him anoint your wounds with oil and strengthen you. He says, all my sheep who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. What's bleeding, I'll bandage. What's broken, I'll set right. I'll strengthen you 
I'll comfort you. And you think, well, is that really true? Would God, like, is God really, is that the relationship He has with His sheep? Yes, it is. He promised to do those things, and then He died to make it a reality in your life. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. He cares for the sheep. Maybe you feel like you've been tossed aside. That you're just another sheep in the flock. You're not so-and-so, and you don't do such-and-such, and you're not this person, and you're not that, and yeah, I'm in the flock, but I'm just kind of the runt of the litter. And maybe I'll just wander away, and I'll just go astray and get myself into a mess because the reality is the shepherd wouldn't even notice anyway. And you need to look up and see the good shepherd looking back at you. He knows you. You're not just lost in the flock. He knows you. He knows you deeply. He knows you intimately. He knows you lovingly on the same level that He knows the Father and the Father knows Him. He knows you. He is the Good Shepherd. And we can't even begin to grasp grasp the depths that we are known by the Good Shepherd. And maybe this morning you're looking back on your life and you're saying to Jesus, I heard you. I know I heard you call me. I know you led me here. I was following you. And to be honest, it does not look like green pastures that I'm in right now. I heard you. I know you led me here, but it does not look like green pastures. It looks a whole lot more like the valley of the shadow of death to me. And if you're, and, and, and you're confused, and if you're honest with yourself, you're angry at God. And you need to know this morning, He's the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And He leads you down a good path. And it might look like the valley of the shadow of death. And it might not look a whole lot like green pastures and still waters right now. But look beside you. He's still there. When you're in the valley of the shadow of death, He is with you. He has led you. And He's saying, trust me, I'm a good shepherd. I'm a good shepherd. The destination is desirable. No matter what your circumstances look like, yeah, but you don't, he's a good shepherd. Well, you don't, he's a good shepherd. He's a good, good shepherd, and he leads you down a good path. He laid down his life for you. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also then with him graciously give us all good things? He's for you. He's not against you. He's a good shepherd, and the good shepherd is for the sheep. So just enjoy this imagery. Just enjoy this imagery of a good shepherd with his sheep. A good shepherd rescuing you. A good shepherd calling you. A good shepherd caring for you. A good shepherd knowing you. A good shepherd leading you to green pastures, to abundant life, now and forever. And He's saying, come, be 
my sheep. Be my sheep. The world might call you weak. You are weak. The world might call you stupid. Don't worry about it. They don't know me. They don't know the shepherd. Come. Nothing compares to being a sheep in my flock. You can look the world over in every corner. You can search your whole life. You will not find a good shepherd because I am the good shepherd. So be a sheep. Be a sheep. We, all, we, we just get, we're just so, you know, that hymn that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. We're so prone to just not be a sheep. And Jesus just says, be a sheep and come in under me. Allow me to heal you. Allow me to care for you. Allow me to lead you. Allow me to anoint your head with oil. Allow me to rescue you. Be dependent. Be weak. Be a follower. Be a sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. You can trust him and he will lead you in a good path. Angela and the team can come up. <clears throat> Why don't we all stand? And Joel might have some instructions for us after, but I just want to pray, pray for us in this. So Father, we thank You that we can take 45 minutes on a Sunday morning and we can lift your name high and we can shout and we can holler and we can raise our hands and we can jump up and down and we can give you the glory that you deserve because you are a high and holy king and there is none like you. You are glorious and you are full of power and wisdom and justice and we just praise you for your holiness and how high above us you are. And when we picture coming into the throne room and we see the king uh, arrayed in splendor and holiness and we bow down and we say we're not worthy who are we to be in the throne room of the king and we want to hold that we want to hold your kingliness and how glorious you are we also want to hold that you're a, you're a lowly good shepherd of the sheep and you care and you know us by name and you love us and you rescued us to the point of laying down your life for us and you lead us and so we just pray father this morning that you would you would soften our hearts to our uh, sheepness that you would soften our hearts to your shepherding over us and we would be led by you we wouldn't be stubbornly at the back of the flock we would come to you we you would anoint our heads with oil you would heal us of our hurts and we would just come in under the good shepherd and be comforted find our rest in you in all the busyness of the Christmas season and who are we kidding the other 364 days as well we just want to come in and be uh, with you and find our rest in you so I just pray this morning that if anyone here is in need of rescuing that your spirit would be speaking to them and they would come to the good shepherd who laid down his life for them and they would be rescued and they'd be welcomed into the flock. We pray that anyone here that is struggling with who they are and their identity, that this morning they would find their identity in being owned by the shepherd. 
that if anyone here is hurt and in pain physically, mentally, emotionally, that they would find their healing in the Good Shepherd. We pray that if anyone here feels like they're just cast off, they're lost in the crowd, that, and, they're, and they're being tempted to be led astray and get themselves into, into a mess because the Good Shepherd wouldn't even notice, no one would pay any attention, they're just lost in the sea of faces that they'd know that the Good Shepherd knows them. The Good Shepherd knows them deeply, lovingly, intimately. The Good Shepherd knows His sheep by name. He knows them individually. We pray that those here who feel like you've led them to places they didn't want to go, they thought they were trusting you to lead them to good places, and by all appearances, they're worse off than when they started, and they have feelings of resentment, and they have feelings of bitterness, and they have feelings that you, the Good Shepherd, did them wrong. We pray, Father, that you just press on them this morning that you're a good shepherd, that you lead down good paths. We thank you, Father, for who you are. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the good shepherd and you laid down your life for the sake of the sheep. We pray for those of us who have grown cold to the gospel and the beauty of it and the power of it has just kind of fallen flat. We pray that this morning, this Christmas season, it would bubble up again, that you'd restore to us the joy of our salvation. We'd see how amazing and how it just blows our mind and it blows our heart that the Good Shepherd laid down his life for the sake of the sheep. We pray that you would do it for your glory. Amen.